This is designed to suppress the vote, not allow the vote. Of course that's how it's designed. What did you expect, Mr. Vice President? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. So we're going to fight back, right? I got the feeling that something ain't right. going to try. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Desi Doyen, I received a donation uh, today at uh, bradblog.com slash donate. Oh, thank you for supporting independent media. Yes, it uh, comes from Barry N. Along with the note, quote, your bird dogging of the voter purges happening in Georgia, Florida, etc. are an asset to our voter rights issues. Keep up the good work and stay snarky. <laughs> Adding, you make bad news more palatable than any other source I listen to. Aww. I I think that's a good thing. Well, I'm taking isn't it, it as right. It. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't listen. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. Uh, this is not going to be easy for the country. This is certainly not going to be easy for Democrats in less than three weeks from now. Uh, in in the midterm elections on November 6. But you know what? If we can't find a reason to stay positive and keep moving forward, even amidst this terrible news, well, then what's the point? Well, yeah, as I usually say, optimism gets a lot more done than pessimism. Yeah, things are depressing enough right now uh, <laughs> without me coming on air and declaring that all is lost on the airwaves. I yeah, can, I've, I've I just, can do that off the airwaves. <laughs> that's as I, true. As and I, I found that giving up actually doesn't get anything done. So... Speaking of all being lost, Desi, uh, you'll join us for a Green News report a little bit later. <laughs> yes. With uh, some follow-ups, of course, on the catastrophic Hurricane Michael, the uh, issue of climate change actually being raised by journalists at a recent U.S. Senate debate in Texas, of all places. That's some good news. What? And uh, and the one thing that may make some folks finally give a damn about climate change that being beer. Uh, but uh, So that's coming up on the GNR in a little bit. But speaking of climate change and hurricanes and some deniers finally giving a damn, I wish it was only beer. 
that made them give a damn. But according to The Washington Post, it took a giant laurel oak puncturing her roof during Hurricane Florence last month for Margie White to consider that perhaps, perhaps there was some truth to all the alarm bells over global warming. White, a 65-year-old Donald Trump supporter, is quoted in the paper as saying, I always thought climate change was a bunch of nonsense, but now I really do think it's happening. She told that to the Washington Post as she and her young grandson watched workers haul away down trees and other debris lining the streets of her posh seaside neighborhood last week. Just as Hurricane Michael, at the very same time, made landfall 700 miles away down in the Florida panhandle. And we'll have some news on that as well coming up uh, in regard to elections. But uh, she says uh, she noticed, I guess, that storms have grown more frequent and more intense over the 26 years that she and her husband have lived in Wilmington. Each one chipping away at their skepticism, each storm that is. Climate change has even seeped into their morning conversation as they sip coffee ever since the neighbor's tree came crashing down onto her home and property. I guess that's what it takes. Well, yeah, it does. It appears that it has to affect some people personally before they'll actually pay attention. While President Trump continued this week to deny the effects of climate change, even in the face of overwhelming scientific agreement, uh, he denied that it is even occurring, uh, despite the this report. Was it just last week, this landmark U.N. report? Yes. Uh, that he dismissed. It, nonetheless, a discernible shift, they say, appears to be occurring at least among Republican voters in North Carolina, which has been pummeled by two hurricanes in two years or three, if you count Hurricane Michael's reach into uh, into the Carolinas. The impact, according to residents of this very so-called conservative congressional district lies right before their eyes, prompting conversations among farmers, fishermen and others on how climate change has hurt the local economy and environment. Fishermen, for example, have noticed in recent years that black sea bass are migrating north because of warming ocean temperatures. Other watermen say they're finding more saltwater fish, such as flounder, now upriver as the sea level rises. Right, because as the sea level rises, the seawater pushes further up into inland rivers. Carl Marshburn, a Republican who has operated tour boats along the uh, Cape Fear River for three decades, says, I'm not a scientist. I just know what I see. And yet he still identifies as a Republican, so whatever. He said he's uh, had to start coating the bottom of his riverboats with anti-fouling paint in order to prevent barnacles and other marine organisms from growing amid saltwater intrusions. So he's seeing it on his own boat. He's seeing it in his own uh, business. So I guess you have to have a tree come crashing through your house or uh, your livelihood disappear because all the fish you used to catch are now gone, or your boat has to be uh, given special paint, and yet there's still, this, uh, there's still these deniers. But the Post says no longer is the topic taboo among many of these so-called conservative uh, and conservative business owners and homeowners and voters. 
in New, Han- uh, New Hanover County in North Carolina. It's a swing county in a swing state, both of which Trump won by just four points in 2016, where politicians have now adopted a GOP-friendly term to discuss climate change, referring to sea level rise as, quote, recurrent flooding. <laughs> that, according to uh, Rob Zappel, a Democrat who's in a competitive race to hang on to his county commissioner's seat there, He said they can see and feel and understand the effects. All of a sudden, we were allowed to have a conversation with our Republican counterparts about this. Okay, well, I I guess I'm glad to hear that. I wish it would have happened sooner. Although it's unlikely to immediately change voting behavior, the shift is is being reflected in recent polling. So uh, they cite an Elon University survey uh, taken in early October just after Hurricane Florence hit, showing that 37 percent of Republicans believe global warming is, quote, very likely to negatively impact North Carolina coastal communities in the next 50 years. Now, this seems to be a no brainer to me, impacting negative, very likely to negatively impact North Carolina coastal communities. Obviously, that is already happening. But this and 37 percent of Republicans seems pathetic to me. But that is nearly triple the percentage of Republicans who felt that way back in way back in 2017, just last year. Wow. When just 13 percent felt that way. So the number has tripled, even though it is at 37 percent at the moment. So. I don't know if, uh, as uh, that uh, donor uh, Barry said, that makes the bad news any more palatable, but uh, maybe it's at least moving in the right direction. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this is something that we have been talking about a lot on Green News Report and here on the broadcast about, you know, climate change is happening now. But the bigger story, I think, is that it's also an economic story. It's going to have huge impacts starting now and from here on out on the economies of every single county, every single state in the United States. Um, You know, so people need to start understanding that a vote for a climate change denier is a vote to make climate change worse for themselves and their children and their grandchildren and their great grandchildren. You and that whole voting thing again. Uh, Anyway, the good news is the number of uh, non-deniers, I guess, in at least in this area of North Carolina the non-deniers uh, number have tripled, and yet it's still 37, only 37 percent of Republicans. But you got to start somewhere. So it was very good to see the issue at least raised in that recent U.S. Senate debate in Texas between Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke after years of journalists failing to even bring up the topic during debates, for example, at every single presidential debate for the last, what, three or more cycles? Yes, the last time was 2008. I remember 2012, Candy Crowley of CNN said, yeah, we did have a question for all you climate change people out there, but we went with the gas prices instead. All you climate change people. Nationally, a uh, wide partisan chasm remains. Uh, the paper notes with only 11 percent of Republicans describing climate change as, quote, a very big problem <clears throat> that compared to 72 percent among Democrats. And frankly, 72 percent among Democrats, that's it. That's all that feels that climate change is a very big problem. 
Jeez, Democrats. Um, that, by the way, that's according to a new poll released this week by the Pew Research Center. So as of this week, just 11 percent of Republicans see climate change as a very big problem. Back in North Carolina, uh, many GOP politicians, including all 12 Republicans representing North Carolina in Congress, remain wary of even bringing up the topic of climate change as a campaign issue. That includes Congressman David Rouser, whose district includes Wilmington, which was completely cut off from the rest of the state. The rest of the country, I guess, for days during hurricanes, uh, during and after Hurricane Florence, just a couple of weeks ago. And so those elected officials uh, in North Carolina for the U.S. House are still, as the paper says, expressing doubt about global warming or its causes. Rouser was among the Republicans who in 2012 attacked climate science to kill a state report. I remember uh, covering that back in 2012, Uh, that state report warning of the dangers of climate change in North Carolina. But instead of planning for the ocean rising, what do they call it? Recurrent flooding. Instead of planning for that, uh, the ocean rising, as this scientific study found, by three feet by the end of the century, as the scientists uh, predict in this report, Republicans instead, they came up with a totally different forecast. They knew 30-year forecast that predicted sea levels rise by just a maximum of eight inches. So nothing to worry about. That would be only in 30 years. That would be according to the Republicans who are sort of just making this up. Uh, they said that the uh, longer outlook, if they bothered to look to the end of the century, why that would erode property values. <laughs> and, yes. Guess what, guys? <laughs> and hinder development along the state's coastline where they should be hindering development. And not putting people in harm's way. Just ask, uh, what was her name? Margie White and her tree. In her yard, in her house. So uh, I guess the plan here is just don't tell anyone what's going to happen. And then they can keep property values up until a storm like Florence comes around and folks notice that they've been wiped out because Republicans lied to them for so many years. A little bit more uh, potentially good news in this uh, in this story. Maverick Doan, a a co-founder and president of the Republican Student Club, at Cape Fear Community College, had uh, interned for uh, Rouser, Congressman Rouser, and plans to vote for him in November. But he said he'd like to see Rouser and other Republican politicians acknowledge that climate change is real. Basically, the 18-year-old said, I find it quite ludicrous that people just ignore the facts. I would like to see some initiative in at least addressing it. So there's some good news, but you know what, Maverick Doan, I find it quite ludicrous that you would vote for someone who continues to lie about the facts to his own constituents and, yes, to you. All right, so we have been uh, talking about in uh, recent days, of course, about the midterm elections coming up just under three weeks, early and absentee voting already underway in many states with states like Georgia uh, and its secretary of state, Brian Kemp, who is running for governor against African-American Democrat Stacey Abrams, uh, using whatever tactics that he possibly can to suppress the vote. 
and he's doing a good job of it. We've also been talking about various state legislative level Republican coups, and i that's the only word I can think of for it, or attempted coups, in places like Florida, where the state Supreme Court just informed outgoing Republican Governor Rick Scott that no, he is not allowed to appoint three new Supreme Court justices to take the place of three termed-out Democratic justices um, who will be leaving on the day after he leaves office next January. He wanted to name those three justices, the replacements for those three justices, even though he won't be in office. And we've also talked this week about the attempted impeachment coup of all five members of the West Virginia State Supreme Court, the three to two Democratic majority West Virginia Supreme Court, which uh, the Republicans have had a setback or two in that scheme with uh, the temporary justices now sitting on the West Virginia Supreme Court while the other five are being impeached. Uh, so they've had some setbacks, uh, and but that temporary uh, those temporary justices have told the Republicans, no, they cannot constitutionally impeach and try the Democratic chief justice of the uh, state Supreme Court. That it is unconstitutional, not the impeachment, but the reasons they were giving for impeaching her. They can't do that. So uh, here's a story that I think sort of, uh, I think it's a positive one that sort of combines both the upcoming elections and the GOP state level coups or attempted coups raw partisan power grabs that they are. According to the um, Raleigh News and Observer in North Carolina, and we're still sticking in North Carolina this segment, the uh, government board that oversees elections in North Carolina, the state elections board, is unconstitutional, according to a panel of judges this week. This ruling comes just weeks before Election Day in the 2018 midterms and only a day before the start of early voting throughout the state this week. That, after the Republican-controlled state legislature had changed the law regarding the governor's party controlling the state elections board. That's the way it used to be. But they changed the law only after the people of North Carolina elected a Democrat to become governor back in 2016. So the good news here, the newly constituted state board of elections is unconstitutional. But the bad news, according to the News and Observer, the state Supreme Court, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, not state Supreme Court, but this panel of judges recognize the timing of uh, their ruling and decided that the North Carolina Board of Elections can continue operating as is until after the midterm elections are over and all the votes are counted. So they have essentially succeeded in stealing the state board of elections, essentially, for an election cycle with an unconstitutional maneuver that it took the courts a full election cycle to finally adjudicate. But that's what they do. That's what Republicans do. We'll, you know, we'll cheat. You will. You can try to stop us. And maybe uh, if we haven't also rigged the courts, maybe you'll eventually be able to stop us, but not until after we've gotten away with it for a while. 
You can look at all the gerrymandering that they have done, including right there in North Carolina, where the entire U.S. House map was found by a federal court to be a partisan gerrymander. But the U.S. Supreme Court this year let it stand anyway for another election cycle this year. So, um, you know, they do what they can. They get away with it cycle after cycle. And sometimes maybe they're stopped. But even when they're stopped, it takes a while for them to actually be stopped. The North Carolina laws struck down as unconstitutional were put in place by the Republican-led General Assembly in 2017 and 2018 and limited the authority of the Democratic governor, Roy Cooper. The laws were passed to replace the previous legislation that was passed just after Cooper was elected in uh, December of 2016, a month after Cooper won the election. That one was also struck down as unconstitutional, so they put this other one in place. Prior to all of these legislative changes that have now been struck down, the governor's political party was given a majority on the state board of election and, if I'm not mistaken, on all the county boards of election as well. But, of course, they had to change that after years of a Republican governor. Once they got a Democrat, throw it out. The ruling might not end up meaning anything, however, if voters in the state pass a constitutional amendment that will be on the ballot this November related to the elections board. In a written statement on Wednesday, two Republican lawmakers urged people to support this constitutional amendment on the ballot. So even though the law was found unconstitutional, they're finding a way. They knew it was going to be unconstitutional. That's why they needed to get this amendment onto the ballot to change the Constitution. The Republicans said the public deserves a bipartisan elections board that implements election laws and investigates campaign finance violations without favoritism toward any party or any political agenda. The people can weigh in starting today by voting on the proposed amendment to make a bipartisan Board of Elections and Ethics Enforcement make that a part of our state constitution. Now, that sounds good. Bipartisan State Board of Elections and Ethics Enforcement. But the reason they have to pass this is because the state constitution says the governor has the duty to oversee elections. Thus, he previously was allowed to name members of the state and county boards of elections with a majority of his or her own party controlling the boards. But now, suddenly, Republicans want bipartisan board of elections. Huh. The proposed amendment to the state constitution was written by Republican legislature, le legislators after the previous court rulings found that their changes to the law was unconstitutional, it's uh, just one of six amendments on the ballot this year. And if a majority of voters vote for it, it will become law. They have also have a constitutional amendment to require photo ID voting restrictions and other such small d anti-democratic uh, initiatives on the ballot this year. Uh, in the state. So just another reason to get out and vote, goddammit, this year if you live in North Carolina or, frankly, anywhere else. And by the way, yes, a so-called bipartisan elections board sounds great. But you know what? The uh, Federal Elections Commission 
is also bipartisan. It has an even number of officials from the Democratic and Republican parties, and it is completely broken because Republicans have appointed folks who will never vote with any Democrat on anything so the Republicans know that they are effectively breaking the elections board in North Carolina with this bipartisan proposal that they are strong-arming that is unconstitutional unless they can pass a state constitutional measure that says otherwise. So this is what Republicans do. This is how they now operate at both the federal and state levels. The uh, amendment on the ballot this November uh, would leave the state elections board with just four Republicans and four Democrats. Uh, It would remove most of the governor's power entirely to decide who sits on the board, giving that power instead to the legislature. The Republican-led legislator? In fact, yes. Wow. Supporters say the change would take politics out of elections and that's uh, that it's good to reduce the power of the governor over election policies. Opponents, however, say the change would only increase the effects of partisan politics since having an equally split board would result in deadlocks uh, and reduced oversight for potential election law violations. The Charlotte Observer reports that a deadlock board would also lead to fewer voting sites. Well, that works out well, too, doesn't it? All right. One more from uh, North Carolina, somewhat related to all of this today. A county elections board member who falsely claimed in a Facebook post that Democrats plan to legalize pedophilia has resigned this week, according to the state Republican Party. She had faced possible, only possible, possible removal from office. The removal of Cornelia Cree from the Haywood County, North Carolina Board of Elections was was on the state Board of Elections agenda for Wednesday after she uh, made the Facebook comment last month. A letter to Cree says that she may have violated, may have violated a state law banning election officials from making public statements that support or oppose political candidates. Cree had written on Facebook that Democrats wanted to block the nomination of Supreme Court justice nominee in order to, quote, make child abuse legal. So they could win votes from Catholics by stopping lawsuits against the Catholic Church over pedophile priests. Yeah, this does not make any more sense to me. She said, quote, the Democrats push open borders, which the Democrats do not push, Because the largest group of illegals are Catholic, which statistically vote Democrat. A separate Facebook post from her uh, urged people to, quote, vote Republican. Cree is a Republican appointee to the Haywood County Elections Board in North Carolina. But the uh, North Carolina Republican Party is now supporting her ouster for her part. Cree sent a letter to the board, to the attorney, questioning when she was ever when I didn't know that I was not supposed to uh, endorse any political parties. And the uh, election board attorney replied with copies of forms that she had signed acknowledging (laughs) the law. Nonetheless, her Facebook post remained online as of Monday But uh, she is now no longer a Haywood County, North Carolina Board of Elections official. So there's that. 
Quick break, and we are back with uh, more news from around the country, hurricane and election-related and otherwise. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Brad. My thanks to those who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to sign up for a subscription to the Bradcast of any amount you like. We rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please grab a subscription at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. It took me four days to hitchhike from Saginaw. I've come to look for America. Still looking. Looking for America, hoping America steps up to the task uh, just under three weeks from now on November 6th. I don't know if they will. Um, And in many cases, they may not be able to, whether it's due to voter suppression or hurricanes, as is the case in Florida. Tens of thousands of voters in Florida's storm-tossed panhandle who are trying to recover from the devastation of Hurricane Michael uh, are grappling with another problem, an election season down there, which has now been thrown into disarray. With power out in many areas and phone lines uh, down, it's not clear how many uh, voters across the state have been affected, nor is it clear which voter precincts were damaged or what exactly the state should do to make voting easier for survivors and for the displaced. Uh, This from Mark Caputo over at um, Politico. And, uh, of course, here on the broadcast, we often talk about uh, challenges for uh, for voters, challenges they're facing. But you know what? If if your precinct has been entirely destroyed, what do you do now? How do you how do you overcome that one? And if there's no cell phone service in the area or no mail delivery in the area, how yep. is the state going to tell you what you're supposed to be able to do? One option available to uh, GOP Governor Rick Scott, who is running to uh, topple Democratic senator. He's running for Senate. He's he's uh, termed out as governor, but he's running for uh, the U.S. Senate against Democratic Senator Bill Nelson. One option is or would have been, been or still could be to delay the general election in Florida. He now has uh, the ability to do that, but not not uh, federal races, only state races. So he could delay the election uh, for governor and other races, but he could not delay his own race for U.S. Senate. So, you know what? <laughs> what good is it? That uh, is under an emergency power that Floridians had granted to governors in the wake of Hurricane Andrew back in 1992. Uh, Between House races, U.S. House races, the governor's race and his own Senate contest, Scott's ultimate decision uh, will have far reaching implications in a state with a history of razor thin election margins and controversies and could even affect the balance of power in Washington. Uh, and there's a reason why uh, polling in the for one uh, polling in the uh, nationally watched Senate race between uh, between him and Bill Nelson and the gubernatorial race between Democrat Andrew Gillum and Republican Ron DeSantis. That polling for now has completely ground to a halt for political parties and for campaigns and for independent groups 
trying to get a read on what voters think in these statewide races. They don't want to be, you know, calling a, uh, a hurricane survivor and asking them how they plan to vote, you know, if half of their house has been destroyed at this point. So they're very sensitive about that. So right now we've sort of gone blind when it comes to the state of Florida and how voters may vote this uh, this year. Uh, last we knew, last polling that we had before uh, Hurricane Michael hit down there uh, showed both of these races very close, the governor's race and the Senate race. Uh, the Senate race in particular at a dead heat. Uh, I believe the Democrat in the, um, in the governor's race may have been up by a point or two, but you know what? I wouldn't believe polls anywhere this year. I wouldn't take faith in them for anything anywhere this year, and certainly not in the state of Florida, uh, now that we really have no idea how the hurricane itself is going to affect all of this. Uh, the hurricane struck just as absentee voting by mail got underway. So far, about 450,000 people have voted statewide uh, by Tuesday morning of this past week, only 4,100 of whom were in the 11 affected counties, the counties affected most directly by the storm. Um, but then other issues come up, according to uh, Mark Caputo over at Politico. Did any ballots get lost in the mail? Yeah, if you put your ballot into a mailbox that got swept away. <laughs> yeah. When will mail service resume? There's not uh, mail service in uh, a lot of these counties still after the storm. Okaloosa County Election Supervisor Paul Lux, uh, he's chairman of the Florida Election Supervisors Association. He had asked the, states, uh, the state on Sunday to consider a number of big alternatives, including creating mega precincts in which any county voter can drop off a ballot because precincts have yes, been destroyed, called for a process to allow people without ID to cast regular ballots if provisional ballots are in short supply. If you don't have a proper ID under Florida law, you're supposed to vote by a provisional ballot. But uh, what if your ID got blown away and lost in the storm? Exactly. Then what do you do? Uh, let's see. Uh, there, he was asking for aid to help evacuated nursing home residents vote by absentee ballot. Ideas to figure out how to deliver absentee ballots from one county to the next if mail service is down. Uh, one Republican familiar with the affected county said that the party is the Republican Party is particularly concerned. All of a sudden, they're concerned about this sort of thing. Why? Well, because they may lose as many of a net loss of as many as 20,000 votes that Governor Scott or Republican gubernatorial candidate DeSantis might have otherwise received. The Florida panhandle uh, is more Republican than Democratic. Now, Democrats aren't quite so sure that there's going to be a 20,000 vote loss, net loss for Republicans. But together, the affected counties have... More uh, 465,000 of the state's 13 million active registered voters. So this is a lot of voters. In 2016, they voted overall for President Trump over Hillary Clinton by nine percentage points or 32,000 votes. 
So uh, they stand, and this was uh, when Trump won the state by just over 112,000 votes, reportedly. So this is a lot of votes for Republicans that are essentially at stake here, and thus... Republican Governor Rick Scott, as the Associated Press reports this afternoon, uh, is, quote, bending the voting rules for eight Hurricane Michael ravaged county counties with uh, tens of thousands still without power. Scott on Thursday relaxed or waived voting rules for eight counties that were hammered by Hurricane Michael last week. The order represents a delicate balancing act, AP says, for the Republican governor, since most of the panhandle counties affected by the decision are GOP strongholds that usually deliver thousands of votes for Republicans. Um, the uh, currently the as I said, we don't you know, don't make too much of this polling, but the real clear politics voting average polling average, I should say, is a tie, is a flat tie, is the way they're describing it over at Real Clear Politics. But using his emergency power as governor, Scott relaxed rules on early voting today, including limits on where election uh, local election officials are normally allowed to set up early voting sites. So remember all of that sturm and drong about, oh, we can't set them up in, uh, in a student union on a, a, a campus because of... Oh, there won't be access. Uh, There's not enough parking. There's not enough parking. All of that utter nonsense. Well, now all of a sudden they're cool with it. Wherever you want to set up an early voting site, we're we're good with that. Go. Uh, Scott also said that election supervisor. And by the way, I'm glad. I'm glad they are doing that. I'm glad they are going to try at least to make it as easy as possible to vote. At least for those counties. At least for those counties. Right. But, you know, after all of their you know, pretend claims about voter fraud everywhere else. It's a little hard to stomach. But for the as far as voters go, and that's frankly the only folks I give a damn about, the voters of any party or no party at all, uh, this will make it easier for voters to be able to vote. And yes, especially in hurricane uh, affected counties. Scott said that election supervisors could extend the early voting period all the way up to Election Day. But, you know, only in those eight counties that after Republicans have been, you know, stopping uh, early voting on the Sunday right before the elections, because that's when a lot of African-Americans uh, do something called souls to the polls when they head out uh, to vote on the Sunday before the election. From church. They all get together and go and vote after church. And so, of course, we can't have that. You can't no. have early voting on a Sunday right before no. an election because, because. Because, you know, black people may vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's okay. I guess there's no black people in the panhandle, so they don't need to worry about this sort of thing. Um, Florida law otherwise requires early voting to wrap up uh, before Election Day. The governor's uh, order also allows people to request that mail-in ballots be delivered to a different address than the one on file in the state's voter registration list. That would be something that normally Republicans would be uh, yelling and screaming about. No, we can't send an absentee ballot to some place that is not their own address on their registration list. That's fraud. Well, it could be. But they don't care. 
State officials said that they made these moves amid reports of damaged polling places, power outages, and limits on phone services. The uh, Department of State said in a press release that no voting equipment was damaged. Well, that's a relief, in it? Hate to see any of those computers, those uh, optical scan computers. Then they might have to use, you know, just paper and pen and count them by hand. Actual human beings in public with their eyeballs. But fortunately, none of their computers were affected. So we're all good. Uh, We'll still be able to. It will still be illegal in the state of Florida to count ballots by hand. And I'm not kidding. It is actually illegal, even if a county election official has questions about whether their computer tallied the votes accurately. They're still not allowed to count them by hand. Don't look at it. Can't look at it. You have to go to a court. You have to get a judge to agree that you're able to look at it and count it by hand publicly. Now, uh, yes, under uh, Florida law, Scott could have postponed the election beyond November 6. He uh, did not, however. Um, and uh, there is uh, what the AP describes as an open legal question on whether the authority would have extended to federal races. Others say, no, it can't extend to federal races. So for now, uh, he is not postponing the elections. That's Florida. Uh, so good news for voters there. Up in Wisconsin, some not so good news, perhaps, for Governor Scott Walker, a fourth cabinet secretary in his administration, is slamming the Republican incumbent, releasing a letter on Thursday signed by two others calling for the election of Democrat Tony Evers in the upcoming governor's race in Wisconsin, where Walker is seeking a third term. So now a fourth cabinet member from Governor Scott Walker's own administration is saying, don't vote for this guy. We know him. He's no good. (laughs) Vote for Evers. Vote for the Democrat. Paul Jaden is a former mayor of Green Bay. He was the first secretary of Walker's Economic Development Agency. He co-signed an open letter with former Corrections Secretary Ed Wall, and former Financial Institutions Secretary Peter Bildston sharply criticizing Walker, calling for Evers' elections. Uh, Jaden Wall and Bildstein wrote, Governor Walker has consistently eschewed sound management practices in favor of schemes or cover-up and has routinely put his future ahead of the state. The result, they say, has been micromanagement, manipulation, and mischief We have all been witness to more than our share of this. Now, Walker and Evers are locked in a very tight battle for governor with the election uh, just 19 days away. The real clear politics average, uh, as far as polling goes, has the Democrat Evers up over Scott Walker by 3.6 percentage points. But again, Uh, And they call the race a toss up. And again, I remind you, don't believe anything you hear from the polling. I'm telling you what it is. So you know what it is. So when and if Scott Walker wins by 10 or 20 points, folks in Wisconsin may be able to go, hey, maybe we ought to count those ballots by hand and make sure that actually happened. Because, you know, just before the election, the Democrat was up by three and a half points. In any event, 
Uh, Jaden Wall Bildstein say they in this letter, uh, despite serving with them, despite serving for him, they will not vote for Scott Walker. Uh, Evers campaign spokesman said that the criticism from Walker's uh, own former secretaries uh, speaks for itself. So uh, not such good news for Scott Walker. Oh, and uh, one more, a fourth um, secretary who didn't sign this particular letter, but uh, former Transportation Department Secretary Mark Gottlieb has also criticized Walker. He was a uh, Republican leader in the state assembly before joining Walker's administration in 2011. Uh, He left in 2015 and recently said that Walker was, quote, not truthful and, quote, increasingly inaccurate in his comments about transportation funding in the state. Not truthful, as in he's lying, and increasingly inaccurate, as in he's lying? Apparently he couldn't come up with the L word in his uh, criticism. But, hey, don't be, uh, you know, at least it's something. At least we have some Republican officials willing to come out and criticize uh, fellow Republicans. Yes, uh, so there's that. They'll learn the lie word in a while, I guess. Yeah, maybe once Democrats are back in control. Uh, but we also have a similar situation out in Kansas. One more here before we get to our break. Multiple Republican leaders. And this is, by the way, this is from Fox News. So you know it's true. But uh, actually what you know is that, uh, you know, this isn't uh, me just gilding the lily here. I'm reading straight from Fox News. Multiple Republican leaders in Kansas have publicly backed Democrat Laura Kelly's gubernatorial bid, a blow to controversial Republican candidate Chris Kobach. Chris Kobach, the Secretary of State of Kansas, who is, of course, overseeing his own election as he runs for governor, just like we're seeing Brian Kemp, Secretary of State of Georgia, overseeing his own run for governor in Georgia. Uh, Governor Mike Hayden, Republican, who led Kansas from 1987 to 1991. He was the latest Republican to back Democrat Laura Kelly. Uh, He said that he rarely cast a vote for a Democrat, but will be doing so in this case. After eight years of crisis, he says, we cannot elect someone who wants to repeat the disasters of the past. Hayden said this in a statement published on Laura Kelly's campaign website adding, quote, Chris Kobach has promised to do just that, to repeat the disasters, risking the future of our great state. Hayden is the second former Republican governor of Kansas to publicly endorse the Democrat this year. Bill Graves also backed Kelly in a video last month, noting that she is the only Democrat he has ever endorsed. In the video, he says, Laura, to me, has all the qualities, all the capabilities that we're looking for to lead the state during this difficult time to reestablish the state to what it once was. Graves served from uh, 1995 to 2003 as the state's Republican governor. He said, Laura has integrity. I know she'll bring Republicans and Democrats together to solve problems. So. If you do the math here, uh, Mike Hayden, Republican, governor from 87 to 91. Bill Graves, uh, governor from 95 to 2003. You got a whole bunch of years, a whole bunch of Republican governors saying, do not vote for the Republican candidate for governor. Vote for the Democrat. Also, 
Uh, we reported a few weeks ago, former uh, longtime U.S. senator from Kansas, Republican Nancy Kassenbaum. Kass- Kassenbaum, she has offered her support as well for Kelly. The 86-year-old Republican said of Kelly, her competence, understanding, and dedication are leadership qualities that Kansas needs at this time, according to the Topeka Capital Journal. Additionally, Kelly's campaign has promoted a list of 27 Republican Kansas lawmakers who say do not vote for Chris Kobach. Vote for the Democrat. Now, that race is as well a dead heat by most polling, at least in two way uh, uh, polling. Uh, But at the same time, there is a third party, an independent candidate, Greg Orman, Kansas City businessman. He could draw enough votes away from Laura Kelly to make sure Kobach wins this race. So, Kansas, you're going to have to vote like crazy, vote like hell. Uh, earlier this week, Orman, Greg Orman, the independent, ramped up his attacks against Kelly as he seeks to boost his own standing. OK, America, it's up to you. Quick break and we are back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. I am Brad Friedman. Don't vote for me. I'm not running. This is your broadcast. <laughs> The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com/donate. That's bradblog.com/donate. And thanks. By the way, uh, voter registration deadlines this week on Friday in Nebraska, Friday, October 19, on Sunday in Illinois, uh, Monday of next week, October 22nd in Alabama, California, South Dakota, and Wyoming. So uh, you also, you might want to check if you know that you think you're registered, you might want to check your registration at the county website and the Secretary of State's website. Yes, please do. We try to mention that uh, as frequently as we can between now and the election. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And we need to get right to it. Our latest Green News report. The Llano River west of Austin, rising nearly 26 feet in just a few hours. Extreme rainfall events trigger deadly flash flooding in Texas and France. New research shows the price of your favorite beer could double in the next few decades. Yes, global warming is coming for your beer. Plus... Man-made climate change is a fact. Of course the climate is changing. The climate has been changing from the dawn of time. In Texas debate, Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz are asked about climate change. Climate change? Yes, climate change. All of those surprises and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The newest member of a conservative majority on the Supreme Court just got a lifetime appointment. But there is a bright side. If that climate change report is right, a lifetime appointment might be shorter than we think. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, with everything in the news, maybe the only thing that will make some people pay attention to the concerns about climate change 
is that it may be coming for their beer. (laughs) Yes, that's where we are. A new study calculates that climate change will severely reduce yields of barley, the primary ingredient in most beers. Barley is highly sensitive to the more frequent extreme heat waves and droughts that are projected to increase with global warming. The researchers predict that beer shortages will likely double the price of beer in coming decades. Well, I'm not a big beer fan, but let me know when it's coming for my coffee. It's already doing that. Damn. In other news, officials have raised the confirmed death toll from Hurricane Michael to at least 33, more than a week after the storm bulldozed a path of destruction across the Florida panhandle Mm. and southern Georgia. NPR reports that the storm has led to calls to extend stricter hurricane building codes to the entire state of Florida so that it would include areas not historically prone to major hurricanes. Well, that's good, I guess. In southern France, Reuters reports that at least 12 people People have died in the worst floods in a century after seven months of rain fell in just a few hours overnight on Monday, spurring flash floods that engulfed homes as people slept. In the United States, in central Texas, a state of emergency has been declared after several days of torrential rainfall triggered widespread historic flooding across the region that has killed at least two people. The Llano River rose 30 feet in less than 24 hours, oh. ripping apart bridges, roads, and homes. 30 feet in 24 hours? Yes. We're going to need a lot more beer. Meanwhile, despite the state of Texas suffering numerous record extreme weather disasters like this week's floods and last year's Hurricane Harvey, Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz continues to deny the science of climate change and the impacts of global warming that are happening to his own constituents. In a debate this week with his Democratic challenger, Congressman Beto O'Rourke, Cruz denied that climate change is man-made. Well, listen, of course the climate is changing. The climate has been changing from the dawn of time. The climate will change as long as we have a planet Earth. But Congressman O'Rourke, citing the necessity of ensuring that Texas is resilient and prepared for more Hurricane Harveys, rejected Cruz's rejection of the science. Look, the the climate is changing, and man-made climate change is a fact. 300 years after the Enlightenment, we should be able to listen to the scientists and follow their advice and guidance. And they tell us that we still have time. But the window is closing to get this right. And kudos to San Antonio's local news station, KENS, for even asking the candidates about climate change and pressing Cruz on his denial. That's something we don't often get to hear. No, we don't. Can we get that local San Antonio station to sponsor the next presidential debate? Pretty please? Yeah. Dr. Genevieve Gunther, founder of the nonprofit organization EndClimateSilence.org, says that the media decides what is and what is not in the national conversation and that the media has a duty to inform the public about climate change's growing consequences. The percentage of Americans who hear about climate change once a week in their media diet is about 12 percent. Studies have shown that the public takes a subject seriously when the media focuses on it. In an interview on CNN's Reliable Sources, Dr. Gunther noted that even though climate change is already harming Americans now, a shocking 78 percent of them don't hear about it in their weekly media diet. The media actually needs to be reporting on this so people can be informed so that they can make the proper consumer decisions and also the political decisions that they might want to make in a democracy that's going to lead us into a safe future for our children. Well, if you're listening to the Green News Report, you know what's necessary to lead us to a safe future for our children. I hope you'll let everyone else know.
For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, or Google Play. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. There's a tear in my beer Cause I'm crying for you, dear You're on my lonely mind Thank you very much, Desiree. Yes. Uh, by the way, the uh, death toll, uh, sadly, we have to already up update that the death toll from hurricane michael uh now officials say 35 deaths have been blamed on uh, on the storm in four separate states yes so it's not going to get any better unfortunately i think they're going to still find more people but yeah uh, they're just uh residents in mexico beach are just now uh being allowed to come back and either return home or survey the damage uh, if they have homes left. So, uh, yeah, that's where we are. Uh, but, hey, uh, have a beer on us. Thank you, Desi Doyen, uh, our producer, and thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, please find, follow, and share me there. I am the Brad Blog. And again, our thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue the Bradcast come hell or high water. And we've had a whole lot of that uh, in recent days, weeks, months, and years here. So it is greatly appreciated, those who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and me continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. All right, that's it for today. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.